Sup witches, Phil here. Just before we crack into our latest episode, I just wanted to remind you that you can contact us in a variety of different ways via Twitter at Sabrina Watch or by Facebook. Just search for Sabrina the Teenage Watch and we will be there because we love hearing from you, particularly when we misunderstand things or get things a little wrong and you're on there telling us off or correcting us, whichever one comes first. So season one, do you remember the Crucible? We had no idea why Sabrina threw a bowl of crisps at us. Um, It turns out it's because um, it was like a a TGIF did a 3D special, so some of the shows had a 3D segment in there, so it was a bit weird, but because you got in touch, we found out. Another example is in our last episode, Inagata Sabrina, we were a bit unsure and a bit bewildered and bemused about the really blunt, strange ending where Salem kind of trotted off and everything was back to normal. And it turns out that TGIF had a crossover event where Salem made an appearance in every one of those shows and took them to a different period of time. So we got us thinking, TGIF, that's probably something we should cover. So because of you, we're giving you an extra special show in the coming months. We're going to do our first extra credit show of this season. Is going to be all about TGIF. So as well as Sabrina the Teenage Witch, we've got Boy Meets World, Teen Angel and You Wish. So watch this space, extra credit, season two, coming very soon, all about TGIF. So please get in touch as much as you can. Let us know when we get things wrong. Praise us when we get things right. If there's something we just have no bloody idea about, because that's quite often, then please get in touch by any means possible. Anyway, I'm going to shut my trap and get the next episode underway. Enjoy! Hello and welcome to Sabrina the Teenage Watch, the podcast where three astonished and asinine artistes review all 163 episodes of Sabrina the Teenage Witch. My name is Phil Dean, I'm your host and your guide through this artistic adventure, and I am not alone, fear not. I am joined by two of my closest chums, in fact, I think the only chums I have, uh, to uh, the right of me and in front is Mr. Chris Evans. Hello, Chris. I'm being introduced first. Hello, Phil. This is a good day for me. It is. Last time I introduced you first, you, I think your brain exploded. <laughs> <laughs> that'll, that'll spice things up a little. You know, keep keep our audience and you on your toes. Yeah, I was not ready for this. Okay. <laughs> How are you then, Chris? Yes. <laughs> Fantastic. And uh, another uh, friend of mine to the uh, left and in front, of course, because we've got a new setup, is Mr. Graham Riley. Hello, Graham. Hi, Phil. How are you, my friend? I'm fine. I've had extra time to prepare for being introduced. I've still not thought of anything interesting to say, so let's carry on. <laughs> Excellent. I've got a new way that you can introduce us, mate. Oh, it's please. Like, uh, rather than in front of me and to the right and in front of me to the left, you yes. go, and over the coffee table, they're six. Oh, 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 yeah. oh yeah. There, there we Paint go. Painted picture. Painted <laughs> picture. So, uh, Graeme, as Chris didn't really introduce himself, he just <laughs> said uh, yes. Can you tell me how Chris is? He's he's very well. He's um, you know he's he's, he's sat. He's got one uh, leg um, beneath t'other. He seems in pretty pretty good spirits. So yeah, I'd, I'd say he's fine. Excellent. Now uh, speaking of spirits, were we in good spirits about watching this uh, this latest episode? It was zany as hell, which is the theme of the series, yes. I guess. Um, but yeah, but also another theme of the series is that it's very funny, and this episode was. It was. Now, I said on the last episode that this um, this one, I mean, this episode is uh, number nine, entitled Witch Trash. I mean, from the title, we had a you know a very clear idea of exactly what it was about. But yeah, I teased in the last episode that this one focused a little bit on sort of. I guess hierarchy and social acceptance even amongst uh, witches to show that the witching world, the other realm even, uh, is very much like our own. So do you think this was an accurate representation of what that may have been? Well, I mean, basically, I guess there are witch rednecks, I guess. The flawed economic system of America that causes people in rural areas to live in extreme poverty and be weirdly proud of it and happy with their lot. I guess there's nothing wrong with that. 
uh, that exists in the witching realm as well. This is about um, the Spellman gals interact with their sort of hillbilly cousins, as they say. And yeah, they uh, play a prank on the, the girls out of jealousy. And uh, this family feud that's been going on for so long has caused them to be locked inside their own house. Uh, I think prank is a little light, mate. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Imprisonment. More, <laughs> okay, yeah, okay, yes. Yeah. Yeah. They imprisoned them. They <laughs> yeah. imprisoned them. No, okay. It's not a prank. It's a feud. (laughs) It's a war, Philip. So, yeah, so episode nine entitled Witch Trash, as we say, uh, the Spellman girls and the mortals, Harvey and Valerie, get locked inside the Spellman house, and the only way to get themselves free is to reconcile with their hillbilly cousins. We explore some witch sort of racism, but done in a... Um, sort of a zany way, as we say. What's the uh, what's the word that you? I said it was allegorical. It's used as a metaphor for racism. There is no actual racism in no. this episode. However, they are clearly sort of borrowing from those sort of attitudes when you consider it's hillbillies or the witch equivalent. Um, yeah. A little bit uncomfortable, but we'll get into it. Yes, we will get into that as well, because that takes up the main bulk of our episode. So, are we ready to uh, to crack into this or dive into this uh, this uh, witch trash pile? Chris, are you ready? Oh boy, am I! Graham, are you ready to rock? Indeed. Excellent. So, this episode opens up with Sabrina giving Aunt Hilda a foot massage and asking them both if there's anything that she can do for them. But they're not convinced she's doing it so selflessly, and she isn't because all she wants is a car. Harvey has a car. He does. He's had a car for. A whole season already. Has, yeah. uh, Valerie probably doesn't have a car, but that's because she bless her cotton socks. Nothing good ever happens to her. No, that's very I'm true. I'm sure Libby has a car. Yes. Oh God. Yeah. Convertible top yeah. down. Oh, God. Well, I hope that's She's definitely got a rich, at. privileged child car that yeah. parents have all bought and probably bought. a Master MX-5. I would imagine. 1997, yeah. something like that. I think really for Sabrina, when she lives in a house. Because she's spoilt, really. Oh, yo, God, she, she is. She's in a house where the point of finger can make anything happen. And it's like, can I have this? And I'm like, no. Then <laughs> go probably, get it yourself. That probably wouldn't mess with you a bit. You probably would be quite indignant about it. Yeah, but at the same time, we know if you magic up any like food products or products or any kind, that it comes up uh, as, a, as a knockoff. Surely, if she decided to magic up a car, depending on what that car was, I mean, it, if it was an... It an be, Aston uh, Marvin? Yeah, yeah, that—that's what I was going yeah, for. Yeah. A, a, a Rafari or a Gambellini, so, um, <laughs> or even just getting wrong on car. They just magic up a cart. Yeah, just, exactly. uh, or, you know, or it could have been a board mm. or yeah. an, an Aldi. <laughs> <laughs> There we go. Uh, Audiences laughing everywhere. Yeah. Uh, so yeah. So she's uh, something that we mentioned uh, when Sabrina's turning of age of seventeen that uh, driving would probably become a big theme. So maybe she'll get a car later in the series. We know that Hilda and Zelda can magic up a car when they yeah. had their Thelma and Louise sort of uh, uh, costume in the Crucible episode. And one of their hobbies before Sabrina entered their life and made it uh, boring, apparently, <laughs> yeah. uh, was Formula One racing. Of course, yeah. So, I doubt they were given access to any actual Formula One cars, so presumably they magic those up as well. Wait, it stands to reason that they've got a garage. Uh, Well, the house is so old, unless one's been installed. Well, no, I mean, no, but like, if they've got a dungeon, they could have like a garage next to it, adjacent. Uh, An underground garage. Yeah. Possibly. Possibly. They they are loaded after all the spellments, aren't they? It might be a back cave. Sort of scenario. <laughs> <laughs> the floor just opens up. You press the wrong button and a cadaver pops up. Shit, shit, put it down, put it down, put it down. Yeah, nothing to see there, kids. So, uh, yeah, Sabrina is a pining for a car of her own uh, because she says the reason why she needs one, not she wants one, no, the reason she needs one is because she got a C in history, uh, just simply down to the fact that she couldn't get to the Boston Freedom Trail in time and her bus let her down. So, the reason why she failed that test or, or did poorly on that test was because she didn't have an automotive vehicle. Yeah, but she got a C, man. That's a pass. That's a pass. Yeah. Fair enough, it might not be her topical grade, but well, she hit the mark. Dude, it's a pass. She's cruising. Who cares? <laughs> Holding herself to very get, high standards. If she could get a C without visiting the things she was supposed to write about... Pfft. World's In the days oyster. before you could just Wikipedia that shit <laughs> yeah. and Google image search it, yeah. then uh, yeah, she's doing all right for herself. She is, yeah. She didn't even need to fire up Zelda's copy of Encarta, did she? No. Or Encyclopedia but, Britannica. But at the same time, thinking about it, 
Yeah, a car would have been nice. Yeah, would have been nice. That's what she wants it for, anyway. Well, she know she knows the way. At least to Zelda's heart is to be like it will help my studies. Mm-hmm. So that's why she's using this example. Yes, but Zelda says that she can't blame her circumstances. If she has obstacles, she should have gone round them. So the titles roll, and she's a tap dancer, and she says, "I'm all tapped out." Relevant. Relevant. <laughs> she, <laughs> she did tap dance. She was dressed as a tap dancer. Well, well, is there a uniform for a tap dancer? I was going to say it's yeah, more it's kind of, of like a circus outfit. It was kind of like a USO show kind of I guess so, outfit. yeah. But it was relevant. It was a fact. We do like facts. <laughs> and it was a, a clever pun. So it ticked all of Graham's uh, title sequence boxes anyway. <laughs> relevant. Fact fun. (laughs) Remark was costume appropriate. (laughs) (laughs) Wasn't repeat of old one as well. Yes, it was. It was a brand new one. Brand new. Brand new. Which is yeah, they're going to reuse that one. (laughs) (laughs) But it's a it's a stellar effort. Why not? We're in the Spellman front room, and Valerie and Harvey arrive, ready to go to Big John's for breakfast. If you order the lumberjack special before half eight, you get to keep the plate. Harvey says. But that's not all, because if you get there before 8.15, he also gets to keep the fork. You think Big Johnny's going out of business? <laughs> so yes. some some nice, light-hearted family humour about imminent depression and bankruptcy is always, yeah, poor, uh, poor, poor, is always poor, welcome in a family sitcom. Poor, poor old Big John. <laughs> poor Big John. Uh, but you know, that's it. they're ready to rock, because they're going to the aquarium. That's why they're there first. Yes. Oh, yeah. They're going to spend all day in the aquarium. Well... You're not going to spend all day there, our tops. But then you don't know how big that aquarium whoa, is, Phil. Whoa, well, I mean, that's, whoa, I'm whoa, being prejudiced whoa. about this fictional aquarium. Anyway, they're about to head out, but the front door won't open, and the same goes for the windows, the back door, and even Salem's cat flap won't even push through. Zelda has a hunch, though. She reckons it's because they're late paying the mortgage, and as a scare tactic, I guess they can't leave the house because it's to try and put fear into them. That going, listen, we own the house until you've paid it off. Which is, and they reveal they're on a 200-year payback on 1%. Yeah, 1%. 1%. That is a deal and a half. That, that is. is. Yeah. <laughs> you know. I don't care if my family are paying it over the course of, like, three or four generations. Shit's cheap. Hilda and Zelda head off to go and speak to the lenders, and Sabrina now has to stall her friends. Because, obviously, no one can leave, which means mortals are trapped in the uh, witchy house she tells them that the alarm system has had a freak out and that's why they're locked in harvey goes to try the door and just pulls the knob off great comedic moment i think it's very, it was very cartoonish good. Yes. It ve- very much so even complete with a, a sound effect there I don't know. <laughs> but not only that it was just it was harvey stepping up as well this is like harvey it's all right i'll try the door yeah he didn't do it in a brash alpha male kind of no, way he was just no. like let out of generosity, let me have a go. Let, yeah, yeah. Let me try. But it was like Harvey stepping on, like, yes, Harvey, you go, man. Yeah, and he pulled it and it stretched out quite far. It was either attached or someone was on the other end, like a tug of war, like, yeah, holding onto the knob. And then, uh, yeah, and he pulls the doorknob and he's like, is that supposed to happen? Yeah, he pulled the knob off. I mean, what are you going to do? Absolutely. Yeah. So we head to the Other Realm Budget Mortgages office uh, where they save the frills to save you money. Uh, I'd give you a card, but. That's a frill. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and of course, this, I mean, this actor is uh, Tom Poston. Um, he's been in numerous things. He's a very sort of familiar face, but he's a, you know, a legendary comic actor, uh, sort of died 10 years ago now anyway. But uh, yeah, he's, he's, he's very funny in his delivery. Every line is incredibly slow and painful. Yeah. And uh, yeah, I would give you a card, but that would be a frill. A lot of good comedy, I think, does come from... David Lynch uses this all the time, like people being really, really slow, decrepit people taking a long time to do simple tasks, <laughs> and people being too polite to be like, fucking get off with it! Yeah. Uh, so. yeah, Hilda loses it a little bit, but then has to sort of yeah. wheel in. But when he's um, looking through his, um, his A to Z uh, Rolodex, and he's like, S, Spellman, K, L, M, it's coming up. Yeah, it's <laughs> coming up. Take your time. We've got all century. Ha. I mean, at the end of the day, it's budget mortgages. I mean, if that's the price to pay that everything's painfully slow for a 1% 200-year mortgage, 
I'll take it. I'll take that. Yeah, I'll take, take more that. customer service over saving yeah, shitloads of money. And then anytime you need to go in, just make sure you book that day off work. The entire <laughs> <Yes>. day. <laughs> the entire week <laughs> at this rate. We cut back to the house and Sabrina is busy zapping some orange juice because, well, they've got to have breakfast there. They're not going to Big John's anymore. Poor Big John is not going to get rid of his uh, crockery at this rate. <laughs> um, she's about to zap up some magic omelettes because she was going to zap up some, was it Eggs Benedict? But she didn't know what it was. So, uh, yeah, so she doesn't know what an Eggs Benedict is, so she's uh, going to make omelettes instead. But, however, just before she can zap it up, uh, Harvey and Valerie walk in because they got lonely. They've been there five minutes and they're uh, very needy, aren't they? I guess maybe without Sabrina to lubricate the conversation, maybe they don't really get along. That's very really true. Yeah, they're, they're kind of... They are friends, but through Sabrina. Oh, yeah. So it's one but of those... There's always that weird relationship, isn't there, with the, when it comes to TV friendships? Harvey and uh, Valerie are just acquaintances yeah. more than friends, I guess. But... Yeah, they're, they're the ones that sit down and just go... Where's Sabrina? <laughs> so... Spoken to Sabrina lately? Maybe there was a bit of a silence, and then Harvey went, Wait a minute, you're not Jenny. And then... <laughs> <laughs> Valerie was like... Let's go and see Sabrina. <laughs> yeah, quick, quick, look, we're lonely. Um, so she has to make some food, but she clearly doesn't cook. Everything's all magic, and she can't handle eggs because later on uh, the kitchen's on fire. Because that that speaks volumes about the youth of today. Well, Just magicking things up yeah, really nearly. Yeah. Right here, right now. I want this now. Don't learn how. Don't take the time to learn how to make an omelette. I think know? it's more that it's the it's. Magic. People, <laughs> people, people are used to being able to magic up any food they want, yeah. albeit not on brand. Yeah, if witches um, have never used stairs in their lives, I'm sure they yeah. haven't made themselves an omelette. Um, anyway, so we cut back to the brokers, and the numbers are being run very, very slowly. It seems that the payments are all up to date, which is weird, so he goes to call an auditor again very slowly. Now, now I did enjoy the adding up. You know, the old... Um... Which we call it old tiny calculator yeah, with buttons, the, little, the little, lever and whatnot. Yeah. Add it, are they just called adding machines? I think. I think they're adding something machines. Simple yeah. Like yeah, that, something simple yeah. like that. Yeah, something very simple like that. So, like we say, everything has been paid up to normal. Nothing fishy about that. But the broker suspects that some witches are playing tricks on them, which seems to be the case when it starts raining pork rinds, and they think they know who it is. It is Boyd and Racine, their hillbilly cousins. Never heard of anybody called Racine. Before <laughs> yeah, this why the hell Racine? Why not like um, Stacy Lynn or something? I think it needs something. Like Kel or something. Needs to be something that ends in Ean. Yeah. Racine? Racine? Yeah, so we get to meet Boise, these... isn't it? Marlene? <laughs> Marlene? <laughs> so we get to, we get to meet these, uh, these uh, crazy people uh, very, very shortly. But Hilda and Zelda return to deliver the bad news that they're feuding with Racine and Boyd all because Great Granny handed down the magic book to the Spellman girls while their hillbilly relatives who live in the other realm didn't get it and that's what this feud is about they're very sort of a very pesky feud but they yeah they yeah. think the book is rightfully theirs yeah but I, I, that, I didn't understand that moment where the, the the spell book got passed down to the Spellmans yeah I, that's fine I just assumed that every witching family regardless you know if if there's one book generations ago all had their own magic book no i think i i always thought that the magic book was something like fabled something treasured it was either passed down in the family or it was incredibly like expensive to get your own i was yeah. like a like a high luxury item yeah like an heirloom, an heirloom yes yeah an heirloom or something absolutely like priceless that yeah well in that case then the the spellmans must be one of the most powerful witching families in all the realms I probably just got a, a very rich lineage family. i was assuming the spell book had or like the possibly acquired wisdom and magic that the family had learned down the centuries like maybe you could add to it if you learned something new oh like a like a family journal yeah, that sort of thing. Oh, like in... Because uh, obviously, I mean, because Edward Spellman lives in the book, so he must be regarded as a very um, sort of powerful, famous witch, I guess, yeah. if he's if he's included in some of the pages. It's certainly more than just a book, isn't it? Yes. It's, yeah, it's quite quite the uh, quite the artifact, and even in the witching realm, there's too many of those things knocking around. No, it's 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 if I guess just because you said it's not just a book. It's, it's like a HBO book, really. Isn't yeah, it? it's more <laughs> more than book. This isn't just a book. 
Sorry. So whether you're on the sm- oh, fine, fuck you then. I won't do my bit because <laughs> well, the pause is required. Everybody already said it. Never <laughs> yeah. They get the reference. Chris, if anything, um, you were the last person to say that. <laughs> no, I'm far. Fuck off. I was doing the the, the whole sexy MS voice. You did it anyway. It's fine. Uh, so yeah, so it turns out Great Granny left the Spellman Girls, Hilda and Zelda, the spellbook in her will. So um, uh, obviously, Racine and Boyd didn't get it, and that's why they're disgusted in their living. So Sabrina can that trauma to an American teenager not owning a car and Hilda's quite impressed the fact that was see even in times of panic she still managed to pitch that car (laughs) (laughs) so I have to commend her for that very very persistent very good Uh, whilst Harvey and Valerie are distracted by a game of pool in a parlour that Sabrina magicked up no planning permission just boom does that does that get added onto the mortgage costs Mm, maybe is it done on square footage hmm would would there be a door going out the parlour that wouldn't be locked because it wasn't part of the original plans that they uh, well in, in t- locked down? Oh yeah, maybe. Yeah, why didn't they just magic a new door? I mean, in Pan's Labyrinth, you know, she has that piece of chalk where she can yeah. create openings. I mean, and we all know same, same universe. universe. So, so surely there must be like some magic chalk type stuff. Maybe. Hmm. Should use your magic chalk. Speed away, your chalk, class. Um, <laughs> so uh, yeah, so Harvey and Valerie are busy playing pool, and Sabrina uh, invites Boyd, Racine, and Marmar over for lunch to try and make amends. And just as the title suggests, they are trash, even to the extent of I think one of the first things they say is, "I was just there sitting on my recliners in my own front yard." So, point uh, painting the picture. Right from the get-go. Yeah, but it wasn't even that. It was when they got into the linen closet. I was like, look at all these towels. There's like a towel for every person. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So already, before we even see these faces, we know exactly what they're going to look like. And, yeah. you know, they're, they're sort of uh, typical. Uh, there isn't sort of a lot to say about the uh, the actors who did play the... Um, Other the... than they were well cast. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> very well cast. <laughs> Apart from um, the uh, the actress who played Racine, uh, Loni Anderson, or Lani Anderson. Wow. Um, so she's most known by starring in 70s sitcom uh, WKRP in Cincinnati. Oh. If you've heard of that, it's a, a sitcom about a radio station which becomes popular because they decide to play rock music. Oh, right, okay. So, so is, it, is it set in, like, the 50s, then, I'm guessing? You know, so, I think, yeah, like yeah, sort of around the time, yeah. yeah. So, yeah, so that was very popular, and she was one of the main characters in there. Uh, she's also starred in various 80s and 90s B-movies, ah, particularly... Any that we've seen? No, but this is definitely an upcoming uh, extra credit list this this is this is an even looser connection than Eddie Cibrian wrote she played the villain Medusa in a Hulk Hogan 1998 ninja movie called Three Ninjas wow and he played the main character called Dave Dragon wow is anybody less (laughs) conspicuous than Hulk Hogan than a six foot seven man with bleach blonde hair and a handlebar moustache. <laughs> he would be the worst ninja ever, and not just because he can't bend over anymore. So, yeah. I guess extra credit, stay tuned. <laughs> yeah, Hulk Hogan, you may really think more eighties. Yes, in terms of his him being one of the most popular entertainers in the world, but him not being that popular anymore and making really shit movies. That's the 90s. That's the 90s trope. And that's all we'll say on that topic. So, uh, yeah, so Boyd, Racine and Marma are around, uh, nicking towels as soon as they arrive. Um, They're just excited about being fed and they're sitting in their recliners in the yard. So, yeah, we know right from the get-go exactly who these characters are. But you missed the the funniest moment of all. After Racine saying, we're just sitting in our yard on our recliners enjoying whatever... Uh, uh, and then being magically zapped to the mortal realm. What would you call that, Mama? And she just goes, Round! <laughs> Round! Round. <laughs> just, just talk about Mama. Obviously, we've, met, we've mentioned that it's her given name. She's not necessarily anybody's Mama. She, that's just her name. And that makes sense because she's eaten not anywhere near old enough to be the mother of either Boyd or Racine. Yeah. So probably about the same age as both of them, in fact. Yeah, probably, just yeah. Just sort of wearing a wig, either padding or just is a larger lady. Yeah. So yeah. Now, quick question. Boyd Racine and Marmar are so, they... sorry who? Marmar. Okay. 
Mama. Mama. Boy Dracine and Mama. In my head, I was like, oh, hang on a tick. I thought uh, Racine was related to the Spellman's Boyd married Racine and Mama was like Boyd's weird sister or something. But are they actually all like brothers and sisters? Mama is Boyd's mother, I think. Even though clearly not old enough. <laughs> yeah, okay. <laughs> even, even, even in like Hillbilly, you know, having children in your mid-teens... Not old enough. Um, <laughs> because, I mean, we'll get this at the end, but uh, Great Granny speaks directly. She only really talks directly to Racine. She does, yeah. yeah, yeah so yeah. I assume Racine is a spellman. Yes. Or, or of, you know, whatever. Like the, so I, I, I was correct in assuming So, yeah, that I think, I think Racine is, is related to yeah. Hildren's Elder, and that's uh, her husband Boyd and mother-in-law. Mama. 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 Um, so, uh, yeah, so they're, they're the hillbillies. We don't see a surname, so I assume... We just refer to him as Boyd and Racing Spellman, but um, well, unless unless he took her name, you know, Mike Bennett style, then uh, well, yeah, uh, I mean, we've we've just established that the Spellmans are a, of a yeah, they're good, a good quality witching name. Therefore, Boyd at the very least, you'd have eight, wouldn't you? So yeah. everybody knew you were part of the Spellman. Oh yeah, yes. so it'd yeah, yeah, be yeah. Uh, Boyd Fanaka Spellman. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, that's I think that's the name. So Boyd and Racing Fanaka are there in the uh, the house, ready to cause a bit of mischief. So Zelda says to her relatives that they want to end this feud and have their house unsealed. But being the hillbillies they are, they're awfully bitter people, only interested in taking what they believe is rightfully theirs, the Spellbook. Serena says that perhaps they'll feel better after some lunch and takes them through to the dining room. And what the boy again says something. Oh, no TV trays. What do you call this? Christmas. <laughs> great, great expression because, and I'll, I'll openly say this, at my, uh, at my wonderful parents' house, they do indeed have a dining room. Um, how often do we eat in the dining room? Couldn't tell you. Christmas. <laughs> that's it. Just, just Christmas. Christmas or when there's like guests coming over. Yeah. That's it. Other than that, it just sits there empty. Yeah. So, yeah, guess it is Christmas. It's related yeah. to you. Yeah. So now you know Chris, Chris's family, hillbillies. <laughs> <laughs> of course, yeah, now Fanaka being at the start of Evans makes a lot of yeah, sense. Yeah, yeah, Fanaka Evans. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, yeah, Sabrina says that perhaps they'll feel better with their, uh, after they've had some lunch. Likewise, Harvey and Valerie return after a few games of pool that Valerie is clearly a beast at. She yeah. wants Harvey to colour Westbridge slim. Yeah. Is that right? Or just slim. Aw, <laughs> oh, bless. So, there we go, more fleshing out. Not only is she dangerously addicted to corn dogs, yes. but she's... A, uh, a pool whiz. It's good for her to have something going for her, something that she succeeds at, because she seems rather short on those things. So, oh, yeah. I've just... What Valerie could do is she could go to one of those infamous pool halls and hustle people. Yeah, she could. She exactly. could. She could be Very easily. Nelson. Yeah. yeah. Mm. And then the name Westbridge Slim would be known across the pool lands. After she's conquered the pool world in America, could come to these shores and try a hand at snooker. Yeah. yeah. Try Ooh. and conquer the pool realm. Yes. <laughs> ah, see what I did there? Yeah. Meanwhile in the dining room, and Racine and Boyd mistake the laptop for a moonshiner, obviously. Put us down for two jugs, he says. But again, just another thing on the uh, the hillbilly bingo yeah, card, moonshine. just a moonshine. moonshine. So that's all ticked off, of course, and put us down for two jugs. The Hilda and Zelda tell them that Sabrina's mortal friends will be joining them for lunch too. And Racine insists that they, oh, don't tell Mama. She don't break bread with mortals, or something she says. Yeah, 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 yeah. That's exactly what she says. She don't break bread with mortals. And they certainly can't tell her that Sabrina is half mortal either. And this is where we get the, again, Graham, hit us with that magic word. Allegorical. This is where we all get allegorical up in oh here. Oh, ah, I even told say. you can't say it. This is where we get allegorical <laughs> up in here. Yeah, this is what we're talking about. Again, it's done in a, a zany, magical way in terms of, you know, it's not being racist it's showing just a social clash against sort of two groups of witches much like two groups of yes but it's not being racist at all really it's fine but what they're clearly reaching to what they're clearly sort of channeling is the fact that stereotypically and it is just a stereotype but rednecks hillbillies whatever you want to call them, rural 
residents of the American South don't like people whose skin is a different colour and refuse to associate with them. It's a stereotype, probably quite an outdated one, but it definitely exists, and that's definitely the language and the sort of principles mm-hmm. that Marmar has. That's definitely what they're reaching to. Yeah. Because it already shows it's quite outdated anyway, because Racine and Boyd, though they're, you know, their differences that they have, they do seem to not really be bothered about the mortals and, yeah, it's and the Sabrina. It is, it is, mo- it is Marmar from the older generation. So I guess even in the witching world, the other realm, it's it's even outdated there. Yeah, so progress is being made. Yeah. So that's and that's the sort of the flow that the, the, the next sort of couple of minutes of this episode takes. But again it's I think it's done in a a humorous, unoffensive way. It's funny it's kind of strange when you think about it, how in a very light hearted, zany children's sitcom about witches that they are actually reaching back into history to a time of great unpleasantness. Yeah. So it's, yeah, it's a little uncomfortable when you think about it. Yes, yeah, but when when, when you look into it, it is, but it's not causing anyone harm. No. But, uh, yeah, I think when you you analyse it, you realise that, I mean, hey, I think it's done cleverly. Yeah. And it's done in, in with the best intentions. Definitely, no. But, uh, yeah, I think, yes, when you analyse it, 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 you know, it, it is an interesting thing to, to chat about. So we've had racism sort of alluded to, rather than actually, you know, expressly included. Mm-hmm. In this episode, we had, you know, a highlighting of uh, gender bias, mm-hmm. um, sexism in the last episode. Season two's getting pretty heavy. It is, absolutely. Yeah. Not only is it funnier and faster paced, but it's a little bit edgy so yeah so don't tell Mormar about the mortals because she's racist so Sabrina tells Harvey and Valerie that her cousins flew in last night from Hong Kong because they say oh we've got some guests in there I... and Hong Kong is the first stupid idea she pulls out her ass. I and... am so sorry but where <laughs> the fuck does Hong Kong come from I mean it, it's just even ridiculous. in a panic situation it's Hong Kong talks about jet lag so she's like they've come from Alabama it'd be like What's that, like two hours difference to (laughs) to Boston? So, um, yeah, she needed somewhere far flung and she settled on Hong Kong in a panic. But she didn't need to talk about jet lag, really. Uh, It was her excuse for them waking up late. Yeah, but they're hillbillies. She could have just said, oh, I've got hillbilly cousins. They just just sleep in for ages. Yeah, uh, they sleep till lunch. Or or, or they stayed up really late last night. Hong Kong? So they uh, go and tell them to, you know, go and take a seat. However, Zelda gives gives Sabrina some astonishments. Really enjoyed that. It's yeah. a very good joke. So astonishments. Are you okay with that? Because you had a trouble with punitus. So these are astonish mints. No, 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 Phil. They said it correctly. But I don't want to confuse you by saying astonishments. No, astonishments. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Astonishments. Astonishments. Not astonishments. No. So they are. They give oh, them somebody a... from New Zealand was saying. Astonishments. They say astonishments. So, uh... <laughs> and when consumed, much like acid, they start sort of just enjoying everything in its simplest form. Oh, probably closer to ecstasy, I'd say, than, oh, uh, yeah, than oh, acid. Yeah. Just sort of like a yeah, just sort of a, a preoccupation with sort of mundane things and just thinking they're all just so wonderful and fascinating, you know, like yeah. So as soon as Sabrina <clears throat> is gonna say something, it will it, they'll be distracted by something. Yeah. That's the idea, because obviously they're sharing a meal with, you know, five witches in the pre- or six witches in their presence. During lunch, and Boyd is wearing oh, a hard hat with some silly soda straws. and silly straws in them, yeah. you know, because that's what they all wear. I, it, <laughs> it's what you, it's what you, you, some some men use while at uh, sporting events. Yeah, so that or on they, the lash, or, yeah, you know, that they don't have to hold their beverages. No, so that it's sort of like a hands-free beverage dispenser. It's a stereotype, like you know, a guy watching watching NASCAR or yeah. something, isn't it? With his, with his, his foam dome um, at the top, just two two cans of Budweiser, Coors Light, or Miller, <laughs> or what have you, 
But it comes from a good line from Marmar next because they're saying, take that stupid hat off. And Marmar goes, grown man with cheap soda on his head. What kind of message does that send? I'll tell you what message. That man has no magic book. Yeah, because I'm pretty sure he's drinking Popsy. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Did yeah. you talk about it being, uh, we can't get brand We can't get brand drinks, so it's embarrassing. <laughs> yeah. If he had Pepsi, it wouldn't be embarrassing. Yeah, yeah. Clearly, don't yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> Valerie asks, what does he mean by no magic book? And Serena says that she means TV guide. Because, you know... Hong Kongians? Hong Kongians? Hong Kongians. Hong Kongians. Hong Kong... Hong Kong Crazy foreigners is what she means to say. That's what they mean by magic book. Racine wants to zap in something fried. Again, because off the bingo card. Yep, fried food. It's all they eat, fried food. Yep. So Hilda tries to downplay the word zap saying that surely she just means microwave. Good not, cover. Good, that was a good yeah, that's cover. That's a very good cover. Something microwave and not something magical, causing Harvey to be impressed by the fact a baked potato is done in six minutes, and that's magical to him. <laughs> <laughs> what oh. That oh, <laughs> yeah, is magical. In it the is. oven, it's an hour. Yeah. You, you think of a time before microwaves. It's pretty magical. Yeah, absolutely. You just used to leave your potato out in the sun. Yeah. <laughs> Get all your potatoes done in the middle of summer, and then there we go. You've got, <laughs> got, got potatoes for the, for, the, for the cold winter months. <laughs> <laughs> so I guess, dude, yeah, so that's what Harvey is uh, so fascinated by. Aren't you pleased you're learning so much about history from this episode? <laughs> <laughs> the history of the baked potato. <laughs> so Valerie asks the bumpkins about what it's like to live in Hong Kong. Sabrina, what is your little mortal friend talking about? And upon hearing that, Momo flips out and God, she, says, she refuses to eat with them. So Sabrina uses her Astonish Mints. Again, Chris, Astonish Mints. Mate, come on, seriously, fuck <laughs> off. Which makes the pair of them become fascinated, astonished and obsessed about the smallest things. We go back and forth between... Harvey and Valerie and what they're doing, but we'll we'll get to that in a bit. So Marma can't believe that she broke bread with the mortals and is even more shocked when she learns that Sabrina is a Harvey. Sabrina says that the reason they hate mortals is the same reason that they hate her aunts, because they don't understand them, and that they have the magic book. Obviously, well, that's what they play in their turn for. Upstairs and Harvey and Valerie cannot contain themselves from astonishment when looking in the mirror. But back in the living room and everyone is eating pudding and attempting to patch things up. It starts going well until Sabrina says some trigger words like job and education. And it eventually comes to light that Sabrina, a half-mortal witch, is in possession of that all-powerful book. Causing Racine, Boyd and Marmor to go apeshit and leave, vowing to never unseal the yeah, house. Yeah, but that is a very that is a very stereotypical sort of, you're a hillbilly, you don't have a job, yeah, therefore yeah. you don't have an education, and then it's all sort of, oh, so you think you're better than us! <laughs> yeah, there's, there's a real bit here, isn't yeah. there? Yeah. There's, there's a bit, yeah, Boyd doesn't have a job, he blames the fact he doesn't have a job on his lack of a spell book, yes. so assuming he's not a particularly good witch, so he won't be employed. Um, so, uh, and she says, oh, you can't blame your circumstances, blah, blah, blah. And it leads to a using Zelda's quote from earlier in the episode, doesn't it? It all comes full circle. It all circle, comes full baby. circle, doesn't it? But no, it? I really enjoyed the whole stereotypical hillbilly-esque sort of, even though the hillbillies are, they, they think they're better than everyone else, even though that as soon as someone starts saying what they have and that they don't have, it sort of... Ah, you have that (laughs) you have that you think you're better than me so Mama and Boyd and Racine leave again vowing to never unseal the house Hilda suggests that they fight fire with fire but Zelda says they won't stoop to their level that is until she sees they've trashed her laptop and she says this means war and it also means we get a really funny montage of, I love this, of this warring going on between the uh, two parties every montage in Sabrina but this is one of the better ones yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> great music great shots yeah, very funny I think this one so uh, we're treated to this montage of back to back attacks from the Spellmans and the Hillbillies the Hillbillies TV is broken up in the middle of the wheel as they call yeah. it watching Wheel of Fortune and um, explodes I've seen retaliation for the laptop blowing up the Spellmans then become hillbillies and uh, I mean that's what you originally thought this episode was going to be about was, yeah. was Hilda, Zelda and Sabrina becoming uh, hillbillies so I guess we get to see what that could have looked like we see Sailor in a straw hat best part of the episode yeah. Salem's hat uh, so the Spellmans then become hillbillies they retaliate by showering them in mud however 
Boyd seems to accept that and just yeah, continues like, washing. Well, I was thinking maybe it's gravy. Maybe that's why he likes it so much. <laughs> I always just I just assumed it was feces. Oh. Uh, maybe something gross anyway. Maybe he's not happy. Happy as a pig in shit. <laughs> um. They return fire by turning their linen closet into an outhouse. No, 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 mate. No, it wasn't the linen closet. The linen closet was next to it. The bathroom is next we, to the linen closet. Yeah, was it? We, we said this. Yeah, yeah. We, 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 I don't know if it's been, I don't think it's been seen before. We finally know where the toilet is in the Spelman yeah. house. It's another room that's been revealed to us. Yeah, <laughs> it's next to the linen closet. So, there we go. as I was saying, Chris's point about taking, you know, taking a massive shit in the linen closet. <laughs> you could get confused one day. Just oh, absolutely. Door, yeah. I mean, I got confused right there just talking about it. Yeah. So, yeah, I would have taken a shit on their towels. So they return fire by turning. Uh, the Hillbilly's outhouse into a gleaming three-piece bathroom. Which they're horrified. <laughs> Absolutely horrified. Livid, screaming like a yeah. girl boy does. Uh, Spellmans then get massive beer bellies, do they? Sort of. Uh... Well, yes and no. It was a weird one. I, I think the idea was to give them beer bellies, and Hilda and Sabrina did get beer bellies, but Zelda sort of got beer chest. She, she was wearing high-waisted jeans, yeah. uh, and then rather than changing the jeans for something else that to expand, they just sort of expanded from, from I don't know, the bottom of the sternum up to, to the, the neck. bottom yeah. of the neck. So it yeah, just looked like they got beer bellies and she got big tits. <laughs> Look at them with their fat bellies and a fat tits. Yeah, I was trying to avoid the idea of Zelda getting huge bosoms, but that's what it looked yeah, like. Yeah, she got fat tits. <laughs> yeah, it was Huge cushion-shaped. <laughs> of course, I mean, this refers back to another a joke from season one. It was booby-trapped, wasn't it? She put oh, another, yeah. another booby-trapped uh, outfit there. Yeah. But uh, yeah, they, they're equipped with some steins, are they? Of uh, of beer, yeah. I assume they are. So they've got big, big beer guts anyway. Uh, so basically, another stereotype of hillbilly <laughs> life. Yeah. <laughs> and then the the best uh, bit of retaliation is uh, they magic in a garden gnome into no, the. No, they make a garden gnome live. Oh, that's it. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. So the garden gnome comes to life and starts just chasing them around. <laughs> yeah. It was just that moment of oh right oh so the the, the tending to their garden so they grow vegetables so at least they have some oh no there's a gnome <laughs> yeah. chase them round trying to do you know what nots to them I wonder if it was the same guy who played the link gremlin because he had a similar sort of mischievous scampering uh, yeah. mischievous camp scamper yeah, camp yeah. Scamper. <laughs> but uh, so it was uh, oh shit what's her name Racine Race- Racine yeah so the the little garden gnome starts chasing Racine but then Marma grabs a fucking shovel and chases <laughs> the gnome <laughs> gonna pummel it to pieces, um, and then wait, all wait, the... is the gnome? Would the gnome be made out of flesh or still be made out of porcelain? Yeah, mm. he could could just be just one swing shovel smash, Shatter, gone yeah. or guts everywhere. We don't. And yeah. again, is that gnome now? If that is the case, and it's still made out of porcelain, it's a sentient being. Therefore, Mama is a murderer. Yeah, yeah. Kind of reminds me of th- this argument where there's a gingerbread man living in a gingerbread house. Is the gingerbread man made out of house, or is the house <laughs> made out of man? Oh my god! That is so grim! I don't know! Is he made of house, or is the house made of flesh? <laughs> I don't know. Um, the house has got to be made out of flesh. What do you think? Hashtag gingerbread. <laughs> uh, in the front room, and Sabrina begins to levitate because witches are so powerful they can now mess with gravity. Which Zelda says, great, they can mess with gravity, but they don't have a job. <laughs> so, uh, Zelda is just about to unleash a tornado onto their land, you know, to make them homeless, you know, because that's fun. Well, no, they started messing with elements. They get to, you know, I guess, you yeah. know. They still have their house, so they just can't leave it, whereas uh, <laughs> their home's about to be destroyed. So it's, it's, it's not really like for life. Yeah, yeah, it, yeah, it isn't the same. You know, I mean, in, in Harry Potter, the witches and wizards rebuilt the entire of New York City, so... Same universe. Same rules apply, I guess. Yeah, yeah maybe. So the Zelda is just about to unleash this tornado when Sabrina and a returning Great Granny tell her to stop. It turns out that Great Granny isn't dead, she's very much alive, and that because witches live for so long, they go through various wills just to get rid of crap they don't need. It's their equivalent of a, of a garage sale, don't they, yeah? You know what I mean? To thinking, like, how many generations of a witch family tend to be alive at any yeah. one time? 
presuming the witch pregnancy like gestation period is still nine months, and people live six hundred odd years. More? No, no, no. Hilda and Zelda are six hundred. They're six hundred. So people. So gran- great granny. Great granny is probably because it's their grandmother. So but it depends. Like it depends. Like how quickly you age and when you have children. It's hard to work out how much older than them she would be. Like if she was there, at, you know. You know, if my great grandparents were alive and they never were when I was alive, but like they'd be like older than any human ever actually is, they'd be like 130 or something. But how old is she relative to them? I like to think if it just if Hilda and Zelda are kind of like middle aged, I guess. So they're like, like 600. Yeah. yeah. So I guess like 600. So um, maybe you know, what? 1200 is what their parents would be and therefore maybe like maybe she's like 2,500 years old well exactly and I mean like um, and I mean the, the creepiest thing is what does it take for a witch to die or how long do they live for naturally they, yeah exactly they must I mean if yeah like I say if the witch pregnancy sort of gestation period is still nine months it's not like because you live hundreds of years if you're pregnant you're pregnant for a decade <laughs> oh, which is which is, is is possible yeah and, it's plausible yeah. and horrifying yeah so if if pregnancy still only takes them nine months then you could have like god knows how many generations of a family living at any one time like like 50 generations of a family alive like <laughs> whoa 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 hang on a tick as well how about this for a theory mama is we're assuming is Boyd's mother. Yes. Yeah. yeah, but they look relatively the same age. Yeah. What if when a witch hits the age of the the equivalent of forty in the in in human years, that they just stop aging for say another however a few many hundred, hundred years, years or something? Yeah. yeah. A few hundred years. Yeah. So it's sort of like that film in time when everyone reaches. The age of 25 and then stops aging or something. So, yes, yeah, so some very alarming questions which I think don't belong in a a joyful look at a 90s programme about how do witches die? How long do they suffer for? And at what, you know, what can kill a witch? That's for a horror podcast, so we'll... I'm going to go... How about, how about this for a theory, okay? Um, witches live until, um, until 2,000 years old and the... The way that they die is the Grim Reaper literally comes to visit them. I mean, we, we, they do do literal sight gags and stuff in Sabrina, so maybe that is the... Maybe. Base. That also... Makes maybe they think. kick a bucket. Maybe. maybe that, that, <laughs> yeah. that would be, that would be uh, pretty appropriate. Um, if Salem... And we don't know how old Salem is, but if Salem did take over the world, he could rule it for... Centuries. Yeah. yeah. Two millennia. Yeah. Well, yeah, yeah. My God, holy shit! Oh God, let's. Can we still climb out of this really dark, depressing hole we seem to have fallen I'm into? I'm not going to lie, though. I wouldn't mind being under a Saber Hagen regime. No, I mean, well, we're just we're just compiling material for Salem Origins. That's what oh, of course, yeah. This is our sort of thinking out loud research, <laughs> yeah. isn't it? Because again, Salem Origin stories coming soon. Uh, so this it's all been going on and Great Granny says that uh, she gave them the spell book in her will just because um, it's just a way of sort of getting rid of all the the rubbish that she's accumulated over the years do you reckon there was a wicker man involved in that as well quite possibly yeah all sorts so she hears their side of the story so she decides to hear the other one so she magics in Racine, Boyd and Marmor with a bell so the the hillbillies arrive and she tells them to stop arguing Hilda and Zelda got the spell book because that's what she felt they deserved and it's what they asked for whereas the hillbillies asked for all of her money so it turns out that they weren't favoured over the hillbillies no they wanted something that could run out while the spellmans wanted something that would last forever it also turns out that the hillbillies squandered all the money so again that's another yeah, sort they, of stereotype yeah obsessed with getting uh, rich quick tick <laughs> bad with money <laughs> Tick. Awesome tick. So, is, that, is, that, is our card full? Have, have we, have we I, I hit think, Hillbilly I, I, Bingo? I think, I think we've got Hillbilly Bingo now. <laughs> Hillbilly Bingo! <laughs> well, no, but at the same time, you got to think about the fact that if the Hillbillies took all of Great Grandma's money, what the fuck is she living on? Because she's still alive. Does she start again with nothing? <laughs> at that age? She has to come out for retirement and work again? What fucking wankers! <laughs> yeah. yeah, 
But that's a lot of money in a current account. What did they buy? A private jet? A mansion? Well, that's what they did. Mansion, a jet. Um, They... I can't think of what I think that's they, oh, oh, oh they, they invested they, they did invest they did invest what did they invest in Graham was, is it Chihuahua Racing yes. Chihuahua Racing and they who go, would have thought that wouldn't have taken off everyone yeah. literally everyone yeah. who would have thought Chinchilla not Chinchilla Racing chinchilla. I would invest in that that's Chinchilla the, Racing that's the way to <laughs> that's where you should have gone no Chihuahua Racing who would have thought that wouldn't take off and he'll just well Everybody. <laughs> and that's coming from Hilda. Let's face it, if anyone was going to invest in Chihuahua racing, it would have been Hilda. No, just she, she to, would have just to revel in, in the um, cruelty and the suffering of the Chihuahuas. Um, <laughs> the, the Chihuahuas that couldn't race anymore, she would stand on. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, that, that's the reason why they've got nothing in their jealous, is because Hilda and Zelda have still got the possession that they asked for, whereas they squandered all of their money. Stop blaming others for your circumstances, yes. Great Granny says. You've got obstacles. Go around them. Zelda nudges Sabrina just to make sure she, that she was listening. I to really that. like that. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. No, the the thing that I really liked about that moment is the the whole idea of you when you have your own kids, you start saying things that your parents said to yes. you. Yes, and it's just this thing of of why 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 can't we put our elbows on the table oh it's because our parents said it to us yeah. and their parents said it to them and their parents said it to them and it's just sort of gone down the chain yeah. it's clearly yeah. a Spellman family trope it's, it's, I guess it's great granny's motto I guess well it might have been great 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 yeah. granny's motto have been. but yeah it's a nice little thing Zelda nudging going Ooh. I know I'm not saying it but Ooh. are you listening and it's Sabrina it's probably easier to pass these things down when all those family members are probably still alive yeah <laughs> 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 She uh, so Sabrina has kind of learnt her lesson there, and Zelda is making sure that she is aware of that. She says that all of this childish fighting has to stop, and the next one to talk will go straight to the corner. No, next one to interrupt me. Interrupts, yes. The next one, yeah, yeah. It goes in the corner, and even though it's words of support, Zelda talks and ends up going in the corner, and uh, Racine finally unseals the house. Salem says, "Finally, I'm free. I have no place to go." I, I was hoping <laughs> that would be well. He, do, he doesn't do the cry. He cries earlier in the episode when... Oh, yeah, we forgot about this. When Racine threat... Oh, no, 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 no. threat... What does she threaten to do to him? Uh, she, uh, cat jerky. He yeah. says, like, Sorry, folks, Graceland is closed today. And she goes, Did you know that cats make good jerky? And he goes, Ugh. That was it. Now we've got a hillbilly bingo. Jerky. <laughs> jerky, jerky, yes. <laughs> and also, like, well, not roadkill, but you know what I mean? Just like, just, like stabbing something and eating it. Um, <laughs> the, but that's a different ceiling cry. That's a, that's a, a, a terror cry. Yeah, it's like a... <laughs> Like, <laughs> yeah. The only thing that can really put fear into him as a cat is it's hillbillies. Is it is yeah, a, a woman who wants to eat a man who's now a cat. Gross. Uh, so they unlock the house anyway, and Harvey and Valerie leave, still astonished at how awesome Sabrina's rug was, and how amazing the clouds are. The astonishments are so drugs. So the episode ends with Zelda still floating in the corner, and Granny not being able to remember why. There we go. See, Granny senile bingo card. She's gone. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> That's a what? <laughs> and then she, then she pisses herself and says something racist. <laughs> yeah. There we go. Um, We've completed that one. So there we go. That is the end of episode nine. Witch trash. Um, the premise of it was something a bit risky, but do you think Graham? I'll go to you first. Do you think it handled it? Uh, it yeah, well? it handled it pretty well. I mean, it was, it was. Um, Maybe there have been a bit too many of these really silly episodes now. I think perhaps I am a little bit maybe now sort of missing the sort of the, the human. I mean, there was, there was a bit sort of like obviously family sort of you know um, drama and sort of reconciliation and everything in this episode. But yeah, kind of missing a bit more. You know, there was there was a real sort of humanity to the uh, earlier. Uh, first season and uh, a bit of an emotional core that they've sort of like wandered away from with all this zaniness but I thought yeah the whole hillbilly thing was sort of handled quite well yes it was stereotypical um, and probably if I was actually from the United States I'd be like oh no not again (laughs) (laughs) but um, still yeah I mean yeah the the whole sort of like racism illusions weren't laid on too thick or sort of done too trivially where, where it was massively offensive or anything. Yeah. Chris, do you share the same views or uh, I, I they're really taking this whole idea of a situational comedy yes. to new levels. Yes. Absolutely. <laughs> what if right, okay. <laughs> what if 
I can just see them in I've the writers' a, room. I've got another situation, guys. <laughs> quick, quick. Can it be resolved in one episode? Absolutely. Can it be used for comedy? <laughs> yes. It's just genuinely, it's just like I, their writers' room just must have just been a fucking farce for this season. Yeah. What like, would happen if Sabrina turned into a boy? Great, we've done that. What would happen if Sabrina, Sabrina went to uh, military camp? Yeah, yeah, done that. What? What if uh, Sabrina went back to the sixties? Yeah, done that. Why? It's just oh god, too many what ifs. Can we get a solid storyline yeah, on the yeah, go? Yeah, here, exactly. And that's that's something that I didn't didn't actually occur to me until just now. That as as much as I'm enjoying like the daft gags and and how quickly paced and how creative this season is, I am missing the more I mean for serious sake, side of it. What if? Furniture spoke. I mean, <laughs> I mean, I could have watched that all day. <laughs> I know, yeah. yes. All but, day. but still, it's like Jesus Christ. It's like it's. For, for example, let's take let's take the Halloween episode. It's like you, you could have stuck with what if Sabrina threw a Halloween party, but no. It's like what if Sabrina threw a Halloween party and they had talking furniture. You know, what if Sabrina had hillbilly cousins? And they were racist towards mortals. <laughs> yeah. There's a lot of and. Yeah, no, I I absolutely agree with you. I think as, as much as I like the three of us laughing at uh, you know things that happen in the episodes, I think we are missing a bit of yeah, but a, a human it's, feel. Yeah, it's I this, think. Oh, the overarching story that and going back to that first well, the end of episode two effectively, but yeah. at the end of Sabrina gets her license, the look on all our faces when we were talking about how. Not not sinister, but you know how important this season is. That if Sabrina it doesn't clue up on her magic, she'll become mortal. And after that episode, we were like, "Oh my god, there's such there's a there's uh, a, such high stakes yeah, in yeah. in this." And I was looking forward to it taking this this coming of age sort of feel, you know, to it. And as as much as I'm enjoying the humour, I am missing a more serious. Um, Haven't like, seen the handbook for a while. No, yeah, it's still in a locker. That's why she yeah. fucking left it. I guess, I guess it's still doing it's still doing its job of being very funny in a silly way that kids and adults would enjoy. Yeah, don't get me wrong. Absolutely enjoying this season, loving yeah. this season. But I think now it's time to take a more perilous approach to to some of it's some what, of it. I, I'm I'm hoping the next episode that we watch does have a little bit more peril in it. Yeah. It does have a bit of risk to it, but before we get to that, we need to find out what the hell Chris Evans yeah. scores this episode as. So each week, uh, Chris is our rank master. He's in charge of setting the bar of what he believes, and rightly so, this episode scores as. I mean, Graham have to agree or disagree or fight. Chris, episode nine, which trash? What do you give it? Ah, oh, man, it's it's a tough one. I mean, it's fun to watch. But it's the conversation thereafter, the the going through it, I'm like, oh shit, okay, mm. yeah. Oh, oh. To be perfectly honest with you, I did enjoy it. And if that's what we're going on, I'm going to have to go with um, six hillbillies out of road. <laughs> six hillbillies out of road. Graham, agree or disagree? I probably, probably would uh, agree, actually, with, with six. It's lost its human touch now. The gags are always good, and how could they not be with such talented writers? But yeah, it's 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 definitely it's definitely lost lost its its emotional core. Yeah, and for that, I don't think anything could be ranked above six of this nature because it is just so thin, really. Yeah. Well, in an effort not to spawn Satan himself, I'm not going to go for six. I'm going to go for six point five. Uh, hillbillies out of Orud. Again, good writing, humorous, but I think it's getting to the point where I need something more substantial I think, yeah. in terms of characters anyway. Episode 10, maybe that will give us something. Um, it's called To Tell a Mortal. Ooh, an intriguing title. Oh, fuck me. Uh, the, well, well, Christopher, the, what do you think it's going to be well, all I mean, about? The, if the title is anything to go by, which usually it's not, um, <laughs> uh, to tell a mortal, uh, I'm going to go with the situation is Sabrina is allowed to, uh, to tell one mortal that she's a witch, but it only lasts one day. And that mortal then does it goes awry and that mortal then starts asking for stuff or doing things and expecting Sabrina to fix it. Okie okay, dokie, okay. a very interesting idea. Graham, any um, much more to say? 
Yeah, I mean, if she was going to tell a mortal anything, it would be, you know, I'm a, I'm a witch. Um, I was thinking that maybe it's not, there's not even any sort of caveats on it, like it only lasts a day or anything. Like, literally, somebody, probably Harvey or Valerie, but I reckon just one of them. I'm not sure which. Nobody Pardon the <laughs> <Pardon laughs> pun. Fat <laughs> finds out that she is a witch, possibly not intentionally, mm-hmm. but maybe see something and she's like, you know what, this is far enough I'm coming clean so yeah Spina comes clean about being a witch somebody close to her don't know whether it's Harvey or Valerie yeah okay well you both you are both pretty much spot on uh, so every Friday the 13th a witch can tell a mortal about their identity because in 24 hours they'll forget all about oh, it so okay. he's got it Chris has got it on there but doesn't necessarily mean within that 24 hours that mortal is not going to tell someone else so a little bit risky, but it's it's an opportunity that I guess Sabrina uh, can't pass off, really. So that is episode 10, To Tell a Mortal. That is next week's episode. But as for this week, we're finished now. Thank you very much from me, Phil Dean, for uh, joining in and hopefully enjoying it. And hopefully enjoying doing it with me was Mr Chris Evans. Do you enjoy it, Chris? I always enjoy doing it with you, Phil. Excellent. That's the sort of reviews I expect. And uh, Graham Riley is the other person that I did it with. And did you enjoy it as well? Uh, um... Did the earth move for you? (laughs) (laughs) Sabrina the Teenage Watch is available in many different formats, so whether you're listening to us on SoundCloud, Stitcher Radio or iTunes, please leave us a comment or a review. Your support means we get more listeners. And it means our hard work is not going to waste. And we can look at ourselves in the mirror. If you want to contact us or keep up to date with our episodes, you can follow us on Twitter at Sabrina Watch. And you can find us on Facebook. Just search for Sabrina the Teenage Watch and there we shall be. And thank you to you for listening wherever you are. And remember, may every little thing you do be magic. magic.